Hello, everybody. It's He Yang. Roundtable is thrilled to launch the UniTalk Challenge: Rising Stars of Roundtable. If you like the show and enjoy our discussions, why not take the stage yourself? Calling all university students, both undergraduates and postgrads, to engage in an English discussion on a topic that ignites your passion. Record your discussion, which consists more than one person, and send it to us at ezfmroundtable@foxmail.com. You could be the next rising star of Roundtable. An incredible opportunity awaits, so seize the moment. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable. I'm Niu Honglin, sitting in for He Yang, joined by Li Yi and Ding Heng. As you have just heard, Roundtable is looking for new podcast enthusiasts. And the first stop of our UniTalk Challenge campaign is Beijing Foreign Studies University. On the 11th of October, Roundtable will go to BFSU and talk to students there directly. So if you're nearby, I'd love to meet you there. Coming up on the second half of the show. For some, it's the allure of adventure, while for others, it's the promise of financial rewards. The maritime industry in China is undergoing a transformation as the number of new seafarers is on the rise. But so is the complicity of the profession. We'll unravel the intricate tapestry of seafaring life. And in recent years, a new trend has emerged among young couples. Breaking free from the age-old practice of exchanging money as wedding gifts, instead they opt for more creative, meaningful ways to celebrate love. We'll find out what they are gifting for a change. If you'd like to find us, search for Roundtable China on your favorite podcast platforms. And now on Roundtable. When many young people aspire to find office-based careers after graduation, some young individuals choose to become seafarers and embark on their maritime journey. Some say it's a high-paying profession, while others mention the need to endure a life of isolation. What is that motivates people to choose this way of life? Is this a new trend among China's young people? But first things first, what exactly is a seafarer? What Does this job entail? Well, seafarer refers to staff who work on ships and engage in maritime activities, including captains, crew members, engine engineers, chief mates, second mates, sailors, communication officers, and others. So they typically live and work on board ships, and often sailing at sea for several months or even longer periods. And especially, I think in today's area, especially in the post-pandemic area,、uh, when you, when When you look at a prosperous econ- economic globalization, international trade, so some say that the role of seafarer is becoming increasingly important. And what do seafarers normally do? I think that's a question that many people are curious about. First of all, they are responsible for the safe operation of the vessel.、Uh, they are required to maintain ship. Equipment and ensure the vessel can navigate safely, and plus they are responsible for loading and unloading cargo on the ship. They need to assist in the loading and unloading of those products and cargo to ensure the safe and efficient transport of goods. 
And thirdly, they need to maintain ship discipline. They are responsible for maintaining the order inside the vessel and upholding discipline on board. And lastly, they are also responsible for the maintenance on the ship, perhaps fixing certain engines and also performing essential maintenance work. So still, I think for a lot of people, especially for a lot of people who work in uh, buildings and ashore, I think um, seafarer and also life on a ship could be mysterious, uh, kind of like far away from our daily life. So it's kind of interesting to discuss why more young people are are interested to take up this career. Exactly, because I also did a little bit of research and I realized actually it you have to learn a lot, learn about a lot to become a seafarer. Uh, according to one currently seafarer, it, it, he said that he had to learn first aid diving, baggaging, CPR, welding, um, machining, and industry, industrial English even, uh, equipment operation and disassembly of equipment, electrical work, a lot of things need to be learned in order to be a seafarer. So why are they striving to become seafarers? You know, first of all, my impression is that this particular profession or this particular occupation has never been a very niche, or let's put it in, in this way, I don't think um, it's 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 not. I I don't think it's unpopular. Mm. You know, from the very beginning, like when I was um, a, a college student or when I was a high school student, uh, all those uh, universities with relevant majors. For example, in Shanghai, there is a Maritime Affairs University, and also there is another one in Dalian. Mm. Um, their scores are very high, and their popular choices for Gaokao applicants. But you know, are they actually going on board? That's exactly what they train for, right? Wow. What these institutions train for. Um, so, yeah, I think the idea is that once you're enrolled in these uh, schools and universities, when you graduate, you are promised a very you know, good, stable job within a, you know, state-run shipping company or maritime company. That's the idea. But definitely, on the, on the other hand, we have to acknowledge that, yeah, a lot of uh, danger and complexity could be involved when you are really into this industry, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I guess... Um, because uh, here on Roundtable, we actually talked about uh, training a captains. Mm. And it, of course, entails a lot of education, a lot of input. But and, but for us, because we many of us have the experience of onboarding a plane and travel to different places. But since now, um, cargo ships are mainly what we're talking about here. We don't really travel by ship quite that much. We would be on a cruise ship to have some fun, but if we are, say, traveling to Australia, we might not choose to do that on a ship, which makes the life of a seafarer a little more mysterious. Mm. And um, I've heard rumors saying that they've got relatively high wage, mm. and that is one of the motives of driving them into the industry. Is that the case? Well, that could be the case in certain countries, especially in developing countries. Ships officers working on internationally trading ships are amongst the very highest paid in all. In their countries. However, when you look at specific salaries they are receiving, uh, you have to like work for many years in the industry to gain certain reputation or title 
to you know have such high salary. That is according to certain insiders or practitioners in the industry. Because as far as I know, they actually a very clear hierarchy on the ship.、Um, there could be like different roles, and、uh, among those roles, there's like like a hierarchy. So、mm. if you want to climb your career ladder, I think it's somehow、uh, same for other like、uh, daily workers. Sure, you have to climb your career ladder to <laughs> you know receive that high salary. And、uh, and I think another reason that drive a lot of people are. Uh, participating in this career is that maybe it could just be a very dreamy job to do when you are very eager for traveling because you you are on the ship every day and you could be traveling to different countries, you know, for the year or for the half of the year and、um, that's somehow、uh, I think to the attraction coming from flight attendants being flight attendants and that's also attracting a lot of young. People, especially young people, to join that career, right?、Mm. You know, I actually personally have a different thought about this idea that by doing this kind of job or occupation, you got the chance to see the world, like、uh, fly flying attendants、mm. or this maritime shipping industry related workers. Do you really see the different worlds, or would you see the ocean? They are all the same. <laughs> you see different kinds of. Airports and maritime ports—they are all the same. Yeah, but they're you, different, but largely the same. So, what's exciting about this? Spend a night in the port <laughs> or in the portal city. Yeah, I guess.、Uh, so, yeah, it's it's、uh, my personal take. It's more like a romanticized idea <laughs> rather than the reality on the ground. I was actually curious because now a lot of kids <laughs> claim that they are introverts. They Call themselves I people.、Mm. For I people, if you live in the ship and it has to go away from your family and friends for several months, is that a good thing? That could be a good thing, I think, for a short period of time. You are kind of isolated on the ship, and you don't really have to talk to anybody、uh, <laughs> except know, for your unless, coworkers. Yeah, yeah your coworkers.、Mm. But then I think it could also be like a twofold. Issue when you look at this regard, because I also learned that for a lot of、um, seafarers or staff working on the ship, there could be like larger possibility that they suffer from mental health diseases, for example, like depression or some other even more serious conditions. Because sometimes being isolated too, like for too long could also lead to certain problems because you have no one really to talk to besides your coworkers, and you have to, you know, live and. Work on this shame shape for every single day, and usually,、uh, for example, we have weekend, right? We can just、uh, get a short,、uh, short getaway from our companies or the working buildings during weekends. However, for those people who work on the ship, they have to stay like twenty four seven on the ship on the same ship. So that could also be another challenge they have to face.、Mm. Mm. One thing I'm also very curious about is that this is the modern day and age. We have internet access basically. All the time, you can talk to our friends and family even from afar. But is this basic? Well, when we say basic, we're being a little bit, you know.、Mm. Um, is this、um, facility that common and that advanced on ships? Well, I think this aspect is probably better nowadays compared to the old days. But really, I think, for example. Uh, there are indeed Wi-Fi connection、mm. on a particular vessel, but it's very, very sporadic. The, the connection overall is pretty poor, right?、Uh, not, not really on, on par on the level 
of the Wi-Fi and the internet we can access on land. Let's consider a scenario where for six consecutive months or even a long period of time, a whole year, for example, they cannot lead a normal life and have to work relentlessly on a daily basis. Um, yeah, disconnection from society is a major issue. And uh, I have heard about cases where in some vessels, in some ships, there are only two hours of free Wi-Fi available on daily basis. And when these Wi-Fi services are available, the signal is very, very weak. So I guess under that kind of circumstances, you can only, you know, message or text your your family member in a very brief manner, right? So as to let them know where you are currently, you're doing okay, you have not encountered any danger. And that's all. There's no way you can make a video call with your with your loved one, with your wife, with your daughter, with your son. So um yeah still a lot of complicity yeah, modern technology is one thing but they don't benefit everybody oh yeah yeah and actually i also heard that you know for a lot of like seafarers or staff working on a ship it's also quite challenging and hard for them to find a partner or at least to maintain or sustain their relationship uh, for example, if you could say find a partner on the ship, but when you say go ashore, when you say you're during your holiday, so it's quite difficult to maintain your relationship. And then if you have a partner or boyfriend, girlfriend, say on the land, it's also uh, challenging to keep connected with them because of the poor uh, Wi-Fi or internet uh, connection. And I think that does not only apply to seafarers and also apply to some other industries, for example, the drilling industry like the oil industry a lot of people they have to work in far remote deserts or uh, in the maybe central part of the ocean they also suffer from you know such say uh, working conditions we consider quite challenging well mm. actually this reminds me of uh the sitcom friends phoebe I think she has a boyfriend working in a submarine, and they only see each other once a year, or even more than more than that. So yeah, yeah that is definitely a problem for some people. Mm. But actually, I've heard stories about uh, a seafarer working on the working on the ship for several months a year, which means they can stay at home for some several mm. months. So the long holidays can actually be. Um, an advantage and yeah. also uh, they get to spend time with the wife and kids and because he has been working in the industry for relatively long so his salary is quite attractive he would this person is actually a freelancing kind of seafarer working for different ships and different companies so he could choose the time when he works and choose the time when he you know stay at home with family and kids and you know make the money spend the money go make the money that's the cycle of the year feels quite free and quite attractive still to me uh, yeah if you are yeah that's a pretty creative way of engaging in this particular industry right this idea that you are in 
but at the same time, you're also relatively speaking flexible. Mm, relatively. <laughs> so, are we? By saying we, I mean the、uh, maritime industry here in China providing enough, let's say, opportunities for the young people who are seeking a profession in or on a boat or on a ship, trying to. We don't really. I mean, it can be a little bit ro- romanticized, but it can also be the reality. What are we providing them with enough for opportunities? Well, I think China is trying to attracting more people to join. These maritime jobs by different policies. For example, I think ta- talent cultivation is very important approach to conduct in this regard. They are providing certain education programs, and of course, they are also implementing special support policies for seafarer talent in the maritime industry, like offering support in economic contributions, housing subsidies, family employment, and children's education to seafarers. So these are all the、um, Favorable policies being offered to seafarers and also to attract more people to join this maritime industry. And also, they have also established an international seafarer service center and regularly conduct safety education, psychological counseling, and legal consultation activities. They are really trying to, I think, build a more healthy and attractive ecosystem and or say industry to、uh, attract more people and also to guarantee a better. Working conditions for the seafarers, and also I learned that internationally there are also、um, suggestions saying that we are also need to provide enough and adequate education to seafarers or potential seafarers because. A lot of times, I think young people, for 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 many or for some young people, it is it's actually a dream to graduate from a maritime university and work and conduct in relevant industry. However, in reality, many people they complete their studies without practicing in the maritime job, and that could also. Make them quite challenging to accept everything you know happening on the ship when they really get into that ship. So it's really necessary to provide adequate education and also to help them to adapt to the say the new area of maritime industry because I think modern technology is reshaping. The industry as well. You have to using all those, you know, modern and intelligent technologies. For example, like Internet of Things and AI. They are also transforming everything on the ship. So how to keep those、uh, talents update with this trend is also important. Yeah, I think in the bigger picture, Chinese authorities have to provide all these policy incentive, policy support to these、uh, potential young people, young talents, because you know China is a shipping powerhouse, maritime trade in terms of everything. You know, so yeah, maybe nowadays we're developing say land connection, trade routes with other countries, with other economies, with the Belt and Road, etc., etc. But In the foreseeable future, you know, maritime shipping, maritime cargo will continue to be, will remain as the main artery for international trade.、Mm. And China has an important role to play. Right. So, for those of you who are listening, who have a dream to go onto the sea, we've covered the pros and cons, and it's your decision to decide whether or not to sail away. You're listening to Roundtable. Coming up next, let's discuss the shifting landscape of wedding gift money customs and how it impacts relationships. Stay tuned. Looking for passion? How about fiery debate? Want to hear about current events in China from different perspectives? Then tune in to Roundtable 
where East meets West, and understanding is the goal. It's the hour of roundtable with myself, Neil Honglin, Ding Hong, and Li Yi. In the wake of the recently concluded eight-day-long Golden Week, an intriguing topic took the internet by storm. Titled "Seven Friends Getting Married During the National Day Holiday," this phenomenon, though seemingly rare, offered a snapshot of a rather unusual clustering of weddings during this year's extended Mid-Autumn National Day holiday. And in that case, as friends and families tie the knot one after another, the ones. Joyful celebrations begin to feel like a financial burden for some people. So, what are your thoughts on these challenging wedding customs? Have you, both of you, attend、uh, attended any any weddings during the past holiday? Well, I have attended many wedding ceremonies of my friends、mm. and also the friends of my husband, the schoolmates, and also relatives from the family. So. Well, according to China's tra- traditional custom, you have to give your wedding gift money to、uh, the, the newly married when you attend this wedding ceremony. And when so, in return, when I say hold my own wedding ceremony, so those people who have received my wedding cer-、uh, ceremony gift money should just return them, right? <laughs> and, They、um, should, huh? Yeah, have to. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the custom.、Uh, however, I think、um, this tradition is somehow becoming a pressure. For young people, more than ever, because I think for parents' generation, they are very eager to, you know, conduct this custom because they feel like it's a way to maintain their social connection, especially be- among and between their friends and their relatives. However, I think young people nowadays we are quite really. I would say I hate this.、Uh, tr- 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 Tradition, to be honest, because when I attend、uh, wedding ceremonies of my friends, and also when I'm really hosting my own wedding ceremony, we have very weird feeling. Is that our wedding ceremonies are sponsored, are mutually sponsored <laughs> by my friends and also by my relatives? Isn't that amazing? You enjoy the ceremony, and it's sponsored <laughs> by your friends. Well, that could be amazing, but meantime, it it also be bring burden to you. It demands you to give certain gift of money when you. Attend such ceremony, and also people have to compare how much you are giving and how much you are taking back. So I think that's why you know young people are really saying no to this tr- traditional customer.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So during the long holiday, I didn't attend any, but、uh, there is、uh, there is going to be an upcoming one in a matter <laughs> of weeks. Yeah, and a, a how much are you putting into the red envelope? Yeah,、uh, f- <laughs> you know, fortunately, when I get married、uh, with my wife、uh, a couple of years ago,、uh, this guy gave me a red envelope, and fortunately, I still have the record of the <laughs> the statistical the statistical record of、ah. that envelope that he gave me. So now I have a very good idea about the amount. You're of not going to take、I'm、into consideration、to. of inflation、yeah. and <laughs> <laughs> everything. Maybe、right. inflation is a problem. <laughs> I need to take into account because it's been five years already, five or six years already, right? <laughs> Since I got married, but really, I think there is a rethinking about this、um, norm because you know, like the one thing Lee hinted at is that the initial purpose of giving the red envelope in a wedding ceremony is that when people's life was relatively, you know, poor in the old days.、Um, 
people back then tend to resort to the collective power, like each friend, each person, each acquaintance, acquaintance of this person, of this couple, gives some money within his or her capacity and capability. Uh, to help finance a wedding banquet and a ceremony, right? Then, and gradually that became a social norm. But nowadays, um, I feel like social norm. You know, in a bigger picture, social norm is something that can evolve with the changing social and、uh, political economic situation. So, at a time we no longer need. Other people's financial donation to to be able to afford a wedding ceremony, you yeah, really, really it's time to rethink, reconsider the purpose, the the fundamental, the ultimate meaning of these red envelopes. Probably it's it's better to, for 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 the younger generation to shift to say giving a nice gift. Right. Yeah, because I think that、money. is what a lot of young people are thinking nowadays. Because they feel like、um, they, first of all, have to give some gift money to the beloved newlywed couple, and they have to access the、um, amount of money as a symbol of how much love they have for this new couple, for this, let's say, for their friends, and that is definitely a burden. And another thing is, it affects your relationship when you realize the lovely friend you. I don't know. Gifted three thousand yuan to back then, only give you a gift card of I don't know five hundred yuan that you can only buy cakes and breads, and that makes you very angry, and that hurts your relationship. So I totally get how come young people nowadays are saying two things. First of all, they are openly some of them, really just some of them, are openly ask for their wedding gift money. Back, and second of all, some of them started to say they will only give a、uh, gift around one hundred yuan, for example, putting it in the red envelope. But like Ding Heng has mentioned, give a really nice, thoughtful gift, and that would be more meaningful. On that note, have you guys received any fun, cool gift? Well, for my own wedding ceremony, I have received several pieces of. Gifts,、uh, and a lot of them are cups, <laughs> are couple cups, <laughs> or like wine glasses, and、uh. that's very typical wedding ceremony gifts you could receive. And I think it's really not about how much、uh, they have spent, you know, buying these gifts. It's really about they are thinking of me. And beyond the red envelope, beyond wedding gift money, they are also bringing me. Several pieces of gifts, which I can really totally feel the love and the best wishes they have for me and also my husband. So it's really heartwarming. So I think it's really、uh, smart to give like or replace the wedding gift money with like certain gifts. However, I think it's also you know burdening for me because you have.、Um, as long as it's gift, you have to buy it, and there's economic value and.、Uh, Perhaps people, some people would would just might do also do comparison, like comparison, the value of gift. So I'm re- really wondering, will that be fundamentally different from giving <laughs> giving money?、Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. So. Yeah, so I think well, when it comes to wedding ceremonies, mostly we are celebrating love and being able to send 
good gifts to friends would definitely be a good idea. And maybe for our generation, we can adopt the idea of having a wishing list, so your friends can buy things you actually want and actually need. That could be an option. Or maybe、um, it is time to do to have some evolution on the wedding gift money ratio. You never know. You just observe what the younger generations are doing today. And that brings us to the end of today's roundtable. Thanks, Ding Heng and Li Yi, for joining the show. It's been a pleasure having you add to the table. And until next time, keep the conversation going and the ideas flowing. Remember, we have a Uni Talk challenge. If you have anything you'd like to share, make sure you do a small roundtable session with your friends, with your teachers, with your classmates. Actually, actually, seriously, anyone, so you can share the ideas. I'm Yu Honglin. And bye for now.